All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Checkpoint, the podcast highlighting and telling the stories of influential leaders in and around the sports industry. Today, we are excited to welcome our next guest, Aaron Eisman. Aaron is an experienced social media expert with a journalism background and has been working in the sports social media for over six years. Uh, Aaron has stops along his way at Turner Sports in Atlanta, Bleacher Report in New York City, and most recently with the NFL in Los Angeles. Aaron has recently spun off and started his own venture and is leveraging his extensive background in social media to help companies evolve during this crazy shakeup. He's currently located in LA, but for the next 45 minutes, he's with us. Aaron, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you, you know, um, you know, for all you first time listeners, Checkpoint is a podcast where we are pulling folks off the sideline um, and using this as a true checkpoint, um, you know, really getting underneath the hood to hear how Aaron got here, what he's currently working on, and more importantly, where he sees the sports industry going. Um, you know, traditionally, we've been bringing on athletes, we've been bringing on ADs, Super excited to go ahead and get you on today from the social media lens. Um, you know, it's making such a big impact in sports. So, um, Aaron, without any further ado, man, tell the guest who you are. Uh, give us a little peek under the curtain, man. Yeah. Um, as you said earlier, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, got a journalism degree at Indiana University. Always, always kind of thought I wanted to be a sports writer actually growing up. I, I used to read the Bill Plaschke's and, you know, uh, Jay Adande and TJ Simers of the world, um, you know, very LA based writers. I used to, like I told you a, a time before, I used to circle who I thought was going to win the NFL games. Um, I always thought I was going to be a sports writer. I, I um, you know, I, I loved uh, the sports writing world, the newspaper world, and I liked the, the sports books world as well. I had some influential writers that inspired me over a period of time, but went from, uh, you know, trying to make it in sports, you know, as a professional athlete, uh, to seeing that career fail, uh, playing a little bit of college, uh, a little college club golf at Indiana University, but getting more into the sports space as well, uh, journalism space, uh, radio broadcasting I did there, newspaper writing. Um, and then my career eventually, you know, as I can go into a little bit more, but it turned into sports social media, which I don't think it was really a thing 20, 2009, 2010, 2011. And then it started to become a thing years after that, after I graduated. So, um, and uh, I'm excited to, to be on this and tell more about my journey. I love it, man. And, and, you know, it's always interesting how people end up in sports, right? You know, obviously there's that through line that we were both athletes. Um, so it's in, it's in our blood, but, um, you know, to think I'm 30 years old and how much this has changed and how much the media channels have changed. Um, and subsequently, it's evolved sports, right? Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I mean, obviously, we're going to touch on COVID today because um, it's 2020 and you can't do something without talking about it. Um, but let's go back, right? So, you know, coming out of high school, 2009, 2010 is when I graduated. You know, MySpace Dang. was just on its way out. Um, you know, when did you realize that, you know, social media platforms were going to start to make this big push up? Um, was it post MySpace pre Facebook, what was what was sort of that timeline there? Yeah, you know, I, I never really saw it as um, a, a business platform that it is today, where you can do ad revenue off it. You can, um, you know, you can you can a lot of these big name businesses, Microsoft, Apple, Intel, Google, they're all 
um, you know, using these platforms as like their voice. I always thought it, you know, MySpace and uh, MySpace office is my first platform. I guess before that, it was AOL Instant Messenger. Um, you know, hey, baby. shout out to that if anyone knows about that. But I mean, that was a simple form of communication to other people. Then it turned into MySpace, um, which, you know, it, it was, I, I think it was a cool platform at the time, but Facebook kind of launched it to another level about social media platforms in terms of the way interacting with each other. So um, I didn't really see it as, a, a, you know, a, important thing in the world until Facebook came around and then obviously developing what Facebook took it to, um, you know, newsfeed, messenger, um, their ad system, their uh, the algorithm, you know, all that stuff was important to the changes of it turning from a social media network to a, a full on billion dollar business. So it's exciting to see where it's become today, where it's acquiring businesses like Instagram and WhatsApp and whatnot. But obviously back then you didn't really see the future of social media. You just saw it as a cool tool to connect with people in high school, around the neighborhood, or whatever it may be. So it wasn't it wasn't as big as it is today, obviously. Man, I remember, you know, Facebook. I had to lie about my age the first time, um, you know, just to get on there because it was a college platform, and it was. Um, you know, it, it's quite incredible to to look back um, on my playing days from 2009 to 14. Um, you know, Twitter was just coming about. Instagram was like sort of a thing. Facebook was the, the platform. And so, you know, mm -hmm. as we start to go into athletics and start to peel back the curtain, you know, these are platforms where athletes are telling their stories, where social movements are happening, um, you know, where, where name image likeness, you can really monetize mm -hmm. this. And so, you know, we're going to get there in the conversation, but, but I'm really curious to pick apart some of your early stops along your venture, because, um, you know, obviously TNT and Turner Sports, I mean, we know it all today, but what was it like when you showed up in Atlanta um, with Chuck and Shaq and Kenny, um, and they didn't really know what social media was? Well, first off, for anybody applying to jobs in the sports industry, it's very tough. Everyone wants to go like the sales and marketing route, and I didn't want that at all. I didn't like. I did some cold calling in, in college, and I didn't like it at all. Um, but <laughs> to get to, you know, I applied everywhere. I applied to the MBAs of the world. I applied Sports Illustrated. Um, you know, wherever it may be, every team, a minor league team, professional team. And somehow out of 9,000 applicants, I was selected as one of nine people, uh, recent college graduates to get a job with Turner Sports in Atlanta. So I packed my two bags, moved down there. Um, and at the time there was no, we were the first ever social media team for Turner Sports. So it was really exciting at the time. This is 2013, well, tw sorry, 2014, 2015 at the time. And so, um, you know, being there, uh, you know, it, it was funny because at times, you know, you were called as like the youth, the the, so, the social media specialist, the um, sometimes we were called the super interns. Um, so there was all kinds of names for us. But but what we did know is like how to separate ourselves. Our generation was totally different than the people that were in the studios. Uh, I remember having conversations with like guys like Steve Smith and Brent Barry about what social media is. What should they be doing on social media? Um, do they have an audience? Should they care about it at all? Um, so there's those questions that would constantly pop up. But for me, it was it was uh, it was like this is a future job for me. If I can make make it here at Turner Sports, then it's going to grow for sure over time with other places. So I want to strengthen my skills and learn about social media and learn how to be proficient in in this social media world so that I can really 
um, successfully tweet and post to millions of people and grow that audience to millions and more. Um, so over time, it was uh, a new adventure for Turner Sports itself. It was kind of a we're fish out of the water kind of experience uh, for a lot of us. But um, we learned over time. We had a great 11-month contract. And um, I'd recommend it to anyone else that wants to like really get involved in sports at an early stage. And um, we had a fun time doing it. And uh, I learned a lot that, that you know, I bring to my job even to this day. I believe it. And, and you know what's really interesting about your intersection of social media and Turner Sports is, you know, you were driving change, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it was you, you were the young voice that was helping Turner Sports evolve. You were helping, um, you know, sort of show that millennial perspective to mm -hmm. where the business is going. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a lot of parallels with that experience and what we're going through today, where we have to evolve and we have to change. And so do you feel like that experience, you lean back on it to, to help navigate the waters, um, you know, as social platforms are evolving in today's world? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a, a important part of like us being there and us, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, the, a lot of the higher ups kind of picking our brains was this point of like consumption habits are changing. Some people were like a negative towards it. Like there's Turner Sports people. I don't know. I don't remember their names, but they were like looking at us like, you know, TV's never going to go away. Cable's never going to go away. Like, what are you talking about? Like, and I said to them straight up, I, I was, I wasn't afraid to say like, Hey, like I'm at home. I got an Apple TV. I use my parents' uh, direct TV subscription uh, to get different channels and stuff. I use my brother's Netflix account uh, to get Netflix. My sister's got Hulu or HBO. Um, so they didn't see this kind of cord cutting as uh, an actual thing, but it's legitimized today to where people, every, every company, every media outlet needs to have their own um, app their own so that they can connect to people. So I think it's just interesting to see how things have changed and evolved. Um, you know, from that story on, I always remember that, you know, he was so negative. This person was so negative towards the change and what's happening. But you're seeing what's called this consumption habits change because it's like everyone's going from their TV and radio station and newspaper to their phones. Their phones are essentially mini computers. And their Apple TVs or Roku's or you know Google Chrome's of the world, whatever it may be, um, those are the future of devices that people are going to be using, and not just the millennials are using it, but the Gen Zs are growing up on it, and this in the in the age before that, whatever they're going to call them, <laughs> that that generation is going to be growing up with you know their phones, not comp not really phones and computers, not really TVs, and so that's going to be the future. Interesting to see how things change, but uh, some people are negative towards how things have changed and evolved. And some people are like, we got to ride the wave and we got to figure out what's next because we don't want to fall behind at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I think it's really interesting to get voices like yourself where you were at the onset of it. And now we have younger generations that, you know, don't know life without a cell phone, right? So the athletes exactly. that are coming into the NBA now that are coming in to the NFL, they, they don't know life without Instagram or Twitter or Facebook right at the palm of their hand. And so, um, you know, I think it's going to be really telling over the next few years to to see that massive migration. And, and COVID is only pouring gasoline on that fire as we go more digital, as we consume more in real time. So um, we're going to put a feather in that. We'll touch on that in here in a second. But yeah. Um, we're going to go to Bleacher Report because, you know, everybody who's listening, I'm sure, has either um, consumed some of their content, knows who they are. What was your experience like there 
pre-Bleacher Report that we know it today? Yeah, you know, I think when I got there, well, first off, my first experience with Bleacher Report was in 2012 when I was a junior in college, and I wanted to be a sports writer still. And so um, at that point, it was like, let me do these blogging, these cool Big Ten stories, these um, uh, these lists, lists. A lot of the articles from 2012 to 2014, 2015, Bleach Report was top 20 reasons why the Raptors are going to win the NBA title, top 10 reasons why LeBron James is the GOAT. Yep. It, a lot of that was those types of articles because it was perfect for ad revenue. Every time you would switch to the next slide, it would create more ad revenue for Bleach Report. So um, that was what Bleach Report was for the early stages. When I got there in 2015, it was kind of towards the end of that era where it was like, we were all about app downloads, all about um, notifications on your phone, all about uh, website traffic into a company where it is today, where it's all about social media. It's all about what is the millennial and Gen Z audience? What do they like? What do they consume? How do they consume uh, their content these days? Um, and how can we revolutionize sort of that space? Because no one else, no other sports media companies at the time were like, we got to be all about social media. They were all about, we got to be about content. We got to be about writing and feature stories and articles. We got to be about breaking news. That's what a lot of the, the, a lot of the traditional media outlets were about. Bleach Report and House of Highlights um, at the time we're kind of transitioning into we got to be about social media first. We got to get the news out in social media first. We got to get stories out in social media first. We got to, you know, beat our other sources with user generated content, those types of things. Yeah. So uh, it turned into a four person team where I got hired on to probably today it's 30 to 40 people. And it's amazing to see the transition. Um, the people that you need to build up the best social media team in sports um, is evident there. And um, I really enjoyed my time and experience there, but it's, it's amazing to see the company go from where it was in 2012 to 2015 and to where it is today, where it's really uh, a leader in that sports social media space. Again, man, you're, you have such a unique tenure in the intersection of sports and social media that, that I am just enamored with. And, and you know, I'm, I'm fascinated here, um, you know, because there's two sides to every coin, right? So there's all the positives that we can talk about with social media. I'm curious, since you were circling the pages on the newspaper and the helmets, um, you know, where we've gone in this vacuum of technology and, and social interaction, um, is there anything where you sort of look at, look back at it and say like, mm, I wish it would have gone a different direction or even looking forward where you want to shape it to, to be more positively affecting folks um, if there may be a negative tint to it uh, on the social side? You know, I think um, that's a good point. I think a lot of it is content moderation, I think, is, is need to be grown uh, to a significant extent. I think there's um, the negative part of social media is like, you know, cyberbullying, I think is awful. It, it, it can really ruin a, ruin a, a child's life, ruin a childhood, um, you know, affect them to this day. And we didn't really have that. We had regular bullying, obviously, back <laughs> then. But cyberbullying could be worse to an extent because you don't even know who's attacking you. It could be an anonymous person. It could be uh, one of your classmates that um, is just bringing on this, like, is pitchfork mentality. And yeah. I don't, you know, and I think that's the negative part of social media. So what do social media platforms do to this day? Maybe they, they have more moderators on staff that, you know, watch out for cyberbullying, watch out for spamming, watch out for um, just how negative trolling can be like on social media to this day. I remember, obviously I remember 
you know, 2014, 2015 on Twitter getting trolled by people like you misspelled XYZ's name and we have a screenshot of it or you uh, had the wrong stats on this graphic. You know, it was 24.2, not 24.6 points per game. Um, so there's there was people that were trolling, you know, in 2014. And it's it's I think it's progressively gotten worse over the years. So spamming, cyberbullying. Uh, and content moderation needs to be there now and in the future. I'd love to see more of that. So um, that's something that I think would really help the future generations is to see uh, these platforms really step up, not just collect all of our data, but moderate uh, what's going on, I think is going to be an important part to where things can head in the future. Man, that's uh, that's Pandora's box that you opened up there. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, and, and I've always been fascinated with this as a consumer of, you know, you have this freedom of speech, you have, you know, some of these amenities um, here in America. How do they transition into the digital world? Right. And um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the nice thing about what you say here is if I say it out loud and it's not recorded, it just goes and the trees hear it and that's it. But what you say online and in social media um, it's there forever, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, these archives are deep. And so, um, you know, really interesting conversations forward facing to see how we're going to regulate. Um, because I mean, look at, we're getting a lot of news. We're getting a lot of high profile content coming out of mm -hmm. these social channels. Um, and, and for me, it's sort of confusing if we're being honest, you know, <laughs> just as a consumer, like what is real, what isn't real. Um, so, mm -hmm. so a lot of moderation, a lot of iteration to come on these, mm -hmm. um, you know, platforms, but really interesting insight there. So, yeah. so let's take a jump into the current day. Um, you know, we'll get to your NFL because let's say, you know, today's opening day for the football season and who knows yeah. what that's going to look like, but, um, you know, what is the 2020 shakeup look like for you, um, you know, sort of seeing it through the digital side of things? Has it been positive, negative, neutral? Would love your feedback on what this year's been like from a digital perspective. You know, I think first off, as a you know, small business owner, solo entrepreneur, I would say business tailed off towards the early stage of my uh, of 2020 because a lot of people were like, we don't know if we want to spend money. We don't know how long this you know this virus is going to last. How is it going to affect our business? Should we spend money to pay you a retainer fee? I don't know if that's going to work. So that was affecting things in the beginning. I think for the first half of the year was uh, I either lost clients or didn't get new clients because people were just afraid money-wise where things are going to be headed uh, in the future and how they can um, be successful um, in the business side. But on the other side, um, it sort of picked up in the recent months for myself because people are like, well, we need to double down on digital because there's no live events. There's no, um, you know, there's no interactions that you could have. So digital is there's no one involved. It's just pushing some buttons, obviously sending it out and getting a, getting more information. So some of the athletes that I would work with uh, currently are all about strategy, all about um what am I posting today? What am I posting next week from now? Why am I posting? Where is it being posted? Those types of questions I'm helping them answer. Um, so it's slowly becoming something bigger. Um, how to have a digital voice, I think, in today's world is important because it's tough to have people say, I'm going to go protest or I'm going to go do something when they're afraid they could be catching COVID or something. You know, So um, digitally, can you have an impact? You know donations wise on 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 monetary um can you can you uh use a trend a hashtag um and have your voice heard and be a part of the conversation digitally things are going to be changing obviously it's going to become more of a digital world as 
you know, it's going to ramp up more of a digital world than it was in the past. I think it's going to speed it up the process. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it's all dependent on the user themselves. How do they use social media? They're still going to be my parents' ages that, you know, don't really care as much about social media or they just want to check in on their friends every now and then. But there's going to be our age and generation where they're going to be like, let's be a part of the conversation. I want to have a voice. Yeah. If, if I can have a voice, everyone can have a voice. And back then, in 2009, I didn't care what my friends were saying on Twitter and social media. I just cared about, like, if they put a cool picture, if they traveled somewhere cool, if they ate some cool food. But nowadays, it's like I can actually have a voice, be part of the conversation, use the correct hashtags to contribute somehow. Um, and that will only ramp up the process because of COVID, I think, in the future. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, it's interesting as as we're going through this, you know, the, I, I think a lot of folks just show up and throw up on uh, mm -hmm. social media, right? You know, and so it, it's becoming more paramount than ever. If you want to make that same impact, like you would rallying folks, like you said, for a protest, mm -hmm. um, if you don't have a strategy digitally, then you, you're just coming in and, and spraying and praying, right? And so I think it's exactly. going to become more paramount. Um, you know, my uncle Steve Noodleberg does it on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and comes into businesses and help them. And and so, you know, it, it's really cool at the intersection of sport and social media when mm -hmm. you talk about a name image likeness initiative um, to, to now come in and teach these young folks how to build a brand digitally, yeah. how to position themselves digitally to make the impact and use their platform to their fullest of their abilities. So um, I'm curious, you know, with your um, early entrepreneurial ventures, are you working with any clients, you know, in that, you know, direct sports space or, you know, what does that profile look like for your current customer? Yeah, you know, I think on the collegiate side, um, I'm, I'm going to start be, I'm going to start working with some different college athletes. Um, you know, what is their content like? How can they get a brand deal? Are they being educated properly in terms of the NIL space, um, compliance-wise, you know, stuff like that? I think it's going to be an important part of my job because more athletes are going to realize, are the, is their school helping them and understanding this? Are they educating them? Are they getting them the resources they need to be successful off the field? Something like that is going to be an uh, important part of recruiting because someone's going to say, I'll go to this university versus that university because they actually can help me with the NIL, the off-the-field stuff, versus this university is telling me, you know, stay in the stay inside the box and you know you know be part of the university and we'll you know help get you your degree which is more important than nil at the end of the day so i think mm -hmm. that's going to be an important part um i'm going to start to have more uh responsibilities for it but um check out this company influencer i-n-f-l-c-r um going to be a cool uh person in the space really a company based in the south uh i think birmingham alabama but they're all about um, educational programs in, in terms of NIL, educating the, the athlete. They've already got 28 or 29 current collegiate uh, schools that want to buy into this NIL space and educate the athletes. So they're going to grow, uh, try to get all the D1, D2 schools. Um, Open Doors is another company. But I'll be trying to work with some of these companies to really help my clients, my athletes, collegiate athletes understand this space and how they can best uh, accomplish their goals on this space. But obviously, I think the education part and the nuance of it is just going to change over time and people are going to have to really, um, really understand the space because it's, it's going to ever evolve and it's going to be something where, you know, not everyone's going to be able to pick it up on the first go around. So it'll constantly evolve and change over time. But at the end of the day, 
Um, it should be all about what that 18 to 22 year old's interest is all about. Do they want to get into broadcasting? Do they want to get into NIL, um, making money off the field? Do they want to get into marketing? Um, what are their what are their goals and what do they want to accomplish? They should have, you know, people helping them as soon as they walk through that college door. So um, I'll be yeah. I'll be doing my part, but obviously at the end of the day, it's about the universities themselves doing their part to really make this a successful relationship with the the student athlete ever, more than ever before in the past. I love, I love that you brought it there. Um, shout out to Influencer. Those guys are completely pioneering the space in NIL. Um, we actually, one of our prior guests, Larry Long Jr., leads up mm -hmm. the sales team for Teamworks. Um, and mm -hmm. Influencer was acquired by Teamworks. So a really strong yeah. offering um, you know, to, to start pioneering what that landscape's going to look like. Um, if you are looking, um, you know, coaches, if you're listening, ADs, if you're listening, um, Aaron's a great resource to bounce ideas off of to go ahead and aggregate um, all of his knowledge from his tenure in the social space to try and help you guys um, navigate these uncharted waters. So um, we'll post all of your social handles so, so they can get in touch with you there. Um, okay. But I'm curious, um, you know, so, so with such a, a narrow focus on the social lens, you know, with your... Um, with your background, where do you see the industry going specifically to sport and social media, um, you know, over the next three to five years? Yeah, I think, um, you know, people are going to double down on having a voice. Um, everyone from the quarterback, you know, on, on Clemson to the punter, uh, everyone, you know, the long, like a punter like yourself, <laughs> um, everyone is going to feel like they can have a voice, they can contribute somehow. Um, you know, I know the guy who is, I think a great case study of like uh, what's going to happen in the future. A guy like um, I think his name's Destroying D E E Destroying um, was a college kicker at UCF, yep. and he has his YouTube channel. He's a kicker, you know. Who who would have thought this kicker has a big personality? But he does. He's got a YouTube presence. He was profiting off of YouTube, and the NCAA basically said YouTube or your scholarship, and um, he chose YouTube, and he was like. I'm going to make money and, and provide for my you know family and, and really make sense. So I think most people in the future, it's going to be about, um, can I have a voice? Can the yeah. quarterback have a voice? Can the linebacker have a voice? Can the kicker have a voice? And I think all of those people can. And, and what it comes down to is content is king. What content are you producing that makes things matter? Um, you know, the linebacker might have better content than the quarterback, but the quarterback's value off the field is, is higher than the linebacker, obviously. But yeah. is the linebacker have a following that's bigger than the quarterback? You know, that's going to be interesting to say. I have 50,000 followers, but the, the, the quarterback's only got 15,000 followers. Um, where does my number off the field dictate um, what I should be getting, you know, on per post, you know, money per post? Um, so I think... Uh, when when the younger generation, the collegiate athletes, start to understand um, content itself and what they should be doing and why they should be posting what and educating themselves and taking almost courses in this education, this process of it, then they can really understand where they need to take themselves as a brand in the future. You know, normally ten years ago, five years ago, maybe brands were if you can recognize the logo, that's a brand. You know, <laughs> that was what a brand. Now. A brand these days are anybody. I'm a brand. You're a brand. You know the punter. You know on on UCF or the the kicker on UCF is a brand himself. So yep. as a brand, what do we do that makes sense for our audience, and how do we grow that audience, and how do we 
have good average engagement per post. Those types of things will be interesting in the future. But yeah, I think voice is going to be important. Content is important. And everyone just having their own their own playing in, in the field is going to be all um, you know important in the future to where they can contribute. Everyone that has social media can contribute to the overall world conversation. It just depends on how they contribute and where they contribute that conversation to it. And that will dictate you know where things go in the future depending on how successful you are how unsuccessful you are on social media so that just depends on the person and their resources and overall um you know anyone can have an impact at any time so it's, it's exciting to see that there's such a, a space for anyone's opportunity to uh become in a sensation of social media or just have a good following at the end of the day no, it's, I mean, look, we all have unique perspectives. We all have unique voices. And, um, you know, to, to touch on the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on right now, I think that's just a great illustration of um, you, you can't hide behind it anymore. It is, mm -hmm. it is here. We are living in the future. These problems um, of, of systemic racism have been mm -hmm. here in this country. And, and now as everyone's voice is being heard and not suppressed, it's overwhelming. It, it almost feels like, where is, I, I knew it was there, but where is it coming from in the droves like this? And I think that just illustrates the power of every individual having a voice mm -hmm. um, and, and being able to go ahead and tell their stories and show videos in real time. Um, you know, we're going to really start to hold people accountable in a way that I don't think we've ever been able to before. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a bumpy ride there, but as we get there and evolve, I think the process will look a lot cleaner. It'll look, it'll be more fair. Um, because let's face it, what we're doing right now, it just isn't fair. We don't hold people accountable. There isn't transparency. So, um, it's really exciting, um, to circle back real quick though, you touch on education. And I think that to me is the, the paramount, um, nucleus of this whole mm -hmm. beast, right? So it, as people are building this brand and this following, it's going to force the education to evolve because mm -hmm. now you have to be financially literate. You mm -hmm. have to be, you have to have mental health awareness of what's going on yeah. because you're, you're dealing with so much more. So um, my silver lining through all of this is I think technology itself is going to force us to educate in a more relevant way. It's going to force us to, to have elevate athletes to be real pillars um, and not just shut up and dribble icons. And so exactly. it's really exciting to see the power behind it. Um, and you just affirm a lot of that. So it's really quite cool to see where mm -hmm. it's going. Yeah, exactly. No, I think education is key. I think it's not just about what you learn in the textbooks. It's about what how the textbooks are going to evolve in the future into online seminars and and PDF files of big books and stuff like that. Uh, that's going to change the way education is. Um, like you said, uh, education needs to change because of the current times. Social media education, um, you know, mental health education. Whatever it is, uh, education needs to evolve just like social media and, and the, the consumption habits of the audience have evolved. Everything else needs to evolve as well because we're in a, a super digital age, not like we were in the past, um, you know, like I said, reading the newspaper, uh, you know, grabbing it down the street. It's all about how much can I consume in a day through my computer, my phone, through my friends um, on a rapid pace uh, because uh, if you're not educated in college on it, then you're falling behind and you won't really step up in the future to where you need to either build a brand, you need to support uh, other people's brands, um, but overall just be educated in this space is gonna be important in terms of how you uh, 
evolve in the future and and if you're part of the, the curve and the change or if you're you're falling behind that's it you guys heard it here first right so it's like you better hop on because mm -hmm. this train is not stopping and yeah. uh you know to be one of the early passengers on the train aaron you know we are super fortunate that you're taking some time to to shed some light on what that journey's been like um you know it's uh, it's going to be fun to go back in the archive in 10 years and listen to this and scratch our heads to think like, man, we were using StreamYard and Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Like, who knows what the platforms are going to look like then? You know, mm -hmm. exactly. No, platforms are going to change. Um, I can't tell you. Uh, I could. T I mean, I could tell you the 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 how you know how things have changed from like AOL Instant Messenger, MySpace, um, you know, Facebook. Even at one point, Vine was like our one of our main Vine. platforms at Turner Sports. And Vine is dead now, sadly, but it was at the time in 2014, 2015, it was like our biggest platform on, on, you know, there's only, I remember there's only three sports media companies to hit the Vine Billion Loops Club. And I was part of two of the three of them, Turner Sports and Bleach Report. NBA was the third. Wow. Um, and it was just a part of hitting these billion loops was, you know, constantly posting and we were posting on Vine and we'd, we'd send it to Twitter or send it to Facebook. And it was cool, digestible six, seven second clips. Um, and going from you know computer to phone with Vine was a big deal. And um, I mean, that's I can go on a whole tangent on that. But obviously, <laughs> where things are changing in the future, TikTok's big nowadays. Mm -hmm. We'll see. We'll see what the next big one is. But um, but obviously, uh, things evolve every year. I mean, Snapchat was hot for a little bit, then it went on the downside. TikTok came around is, is picking up now Instagram reels is kind of a cool thing that Instagram's doing. So platforms will change because they have to be so competitive with each other. And at the end of the day, um, a new platform will be, we'll be talking about that in two years, if not one year, uh, could be a new platform that comes around and that takes over, uh, one of our generations. Wow. 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 That's all I can say, man. I didn't think I knew this was coming, but it feels like we're closer to the Jetsons than we are the Flintstones in, uh, yeah. <laughs> in today's world right now, which is uh, it's exciting. But man, it is just um, it's sort of crazy when you, you sit back and introspectively look at it. So um, as we start to wind down, Aaron, going to poke and prod here just a little bit, uh, you know, some yeah, personal questions here. So um, favorite football team? Are you a LA Rams fan since you're being out there, you know, from out there or where's your alliance? No, actually, uh, Denver Broncos was my, was my team. Um, it's kind of funny cause my dad's from Buffalo. He's a Buffalo Bills fan. Go Bills! Um, there you I'm go. Bill go Bills. Bills. Still got so, Flutie flakes. <laughs> the Flutie, yeah. Flutie was, I mean, he's a legend. So, um, you know, Flutie, uh, the, the, those teams were kind of funny because he, my dad had a team in the Buffalo bills, but didn't really put it upon us to like be a bills fan, uh, you know, with those nineties losses in the super bowl. Um, but, uh, you know, we didn't have a team in LA. I really started liking football in the late nineties. And, you know, I see John Elway with the blonde hair and the, um, amazing arm and, you know, can bootleg like crazy. And, uh, I, I fell in love with the Broncos. And so for, uh, 22 years I've been a fan of the Broncos. So it's, um, well, I'm sa sad to see the news about Von Miller, but, um, hopefully Drew Locke and Jerry Judy and the young, uh, wide receiver talent can really pick it up this year and maybe compete with the chiefs or maybe at least get an eight and eight record and make the playoffs. We'll see. 
I was going to say, I didn't think the day would come where I think the Bills have a better chance to win the division than the Broncos, but yeah. we are getting close. I promise yeah, you, we are getting are. close. Um, super cool, man. Super cool. Um, so you're wearing a master shirt. Do you golf? What do you do for fun on the uh, outside of social media? Yeah, um, golf. I, 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 I played a little bit of high school basketball, but like, it's weird because golf I got into maybe freshman year of high school. I never played it before. Uh, I loved watching Tiger Woods, obviously, in his heyday. Um, you know, there's no one like him in sports. Yeah. I, I think I can remember where, you know, a, a player would be, uh, he'd have a 10-shot lead to win the tournament, or he'd be back five shots and still win the tournament at the yep. final round. So uh, I became a golf fan. Um, I think golf's, you know, a great sport. I think the younger generation probably doesn't like golf because they think it's such an old folk sport. But what's nice about golf is you can play anywhere in the world. Um, you could play for 30 bucks or 300 bucks. Um, so it's, it's amazing to see you could play the same courses that Tiger Woods plays at some of these courses. You could play Torrey Pines or Pebble Beach, depending on how much you want to spend. Yeah. Um, but I've been to every golf major. I've been to the President's Cup twice. Uh, I've I've uh, the only one I've missed is the Ryder Cup, uh, which I'd like to go to maybe uh, at some point when live sporting events get back to where it, it should be. But uh, it's been a great sport. Um, you know, it's frustrating at times for me to play. Um, you know, you hit a couple good shots and you hit a, a lot of bad shots, but um, it's a fun sport to be outside to kind of be with nature. And you're you're all by yourself out there. It's you, a golf club, and a, and a golf ball, and that's it. <laughs> And if you don't hit a if you don't hit a good shot, you can't blame it on the driver. It's it's you that didn't hit the good shot. So <laughs> at the end of the day, that's what I love about golf. It's all about you, and it's competition, and it's fun. And uh, I love I love uh, the the spectator part of the sport as well. It's been fun. Yeah, no, and, and the devil's in the details with golf, man. You can uh, you can find the green uh, in regulation, and then still end up double bogey in it, right? So yeah, exactly. You just uh, just because you're close doesn't mean you're across the finish line yet. Yeah. So uh, all right, Aaron. Last question for you as we wrap up, man. Um, and, and we've kept this as a through line on our show. Um, so here we go. Uh, if you could tell the audience and listeners one thing you've done in your life that you would recommend they do or experience in theirs. What would that be and why? Yeah, um, you know, obviously I would tell a lot of people to go experience the Masters if you could one time in your life. That'd be a great goal for anybody, sports fan or not sports fan. But um, I think be a good listener and learner in this world. Um, be a sponge. I don't know who told me to be a sponge, you know, at some point in my, whether it was my college career or my professional career, but if you're going to be someone that's going to be a game changer in the future. You need to be as someone that can listen and learn and, and contain and retain information overall. Um, that's helped me throughout my career being nice to people, you know, whether you're, you're in the social media age or not being nice to people goes a far way and we'll keep creating these relationships. But at the end of the day, if you're not a good listener or learner and someone that can retain information, you might not be successful in the future. Um, it doesn't matter what your opinion is, uh, your your personality is um, if you can really be a part of the conversation, listen to the conversation, and be an influencer in your own right. Um, that's what's going to be an important part of the future. So um, you know, I, I might not have like that that go to thing that's going to say this is going to get you the job at Turner Sports or Bleach Report, but I know when you do get into that, when you get you do open up a door, 
try to figure out how to stay in that door, how to stay in that building before you get pushed out. So, you know, that's what's important part is, and skills I've learned over the, over the years has not always been social media skills, but about personal skills, professional skills that you need to learn any job you're at. So if you can learn those uh, from day one at, at any organization you are, you're going to go a far way in your professional career down the road and, you know, build friendships that last a long time during your professional career as well. So, um, build bridges, maintain bridges, don't burn bridges at the end of the day um, with people. So, and and that's the advice that I have for anybody that's in this, whether you're in sports or not sports, at the end of the day, you need to be someone that can be a personable person, but obviously uh, be someone that can learn and listen and, and have fun in this industry as well. Man, great advice from a, another great guest. Uh, Aaron, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here on Checkpoint. Um, how do we get in touch with you um, as athletes, ADs, business owners are listening to this? Um, what's what's the best channel to, to reach you on social? Yeah, um, I would say, honestly, LinkedIn. Um, I think it's one of the most underrated social media platforms today. I think business owners need to be using it. Everyone needs to be using it. So Eisman Digital, E-I-S-M-A-N, Digital. Um, you can reach me at Aaron Eisman, as you see uh, below. Um, but also, yeah, shoot me a message, add me as a contact. I'd be happy to, you know, have a conversation, 15, 30 minute conversation with anybody about their business, about their, you know, being an athletic director, about being in sports, whatever it may be. Um, I, I just love communicating with people, building a relationship and seeing where it goes. Um, so find me on LinkedIn, uh, and then go to my website, uh, uh, you can see kind of my capabilities, what I do, my past experiences, and learn more about uh, the resource that I have in touch with that if there's something I can't do, I know someone that can do that. And uh, contact me there and shoot me an email. My email address is on the contact page there. Um, so thanks so much for, for having me uh, on. I really appreciate it. Awesome, Aaron. This has been such a blast. And uh, listeners, as always, before you tune in next time, check yourself.